cut you the chase, okay? What are you guys selling? If you're drowning and I throw you a life jacket, would you grab it? Yes, good. Pick up 200 shares. I won't let you down. Pay him. Pay that man his money. Ask them how they'd like to see 30, 40% returns. What are they going to say? No? I don't want to see those returns. Where's the money, Lebowski? You're going to make a lot of money, right? Be aggressive. Learn how to push. Show them a 3% return. I'll trust you to watch his kids for the weekend. I'm a big fan of money. Move around. Motion creates emotion. I did not know this. That's it. I'm done. Hello and welcome back to the Snacks and Jacks. I'm Tim Howell. Matt Byrne on the board. SB Futures down 10.15. NASDAQ Futures down 42. This was after a day yesterday when we had uh, big hopes for the day. We were doing the show to the upside. Is we were uh, we were up a bunch, and um, and of course we were uh, not up a bunch. So we and then we as soon as these consumer confidence numbers came out, which I will talk about in a second, because I think our friend Kevin is trying to get in. Uh, so you got to call him, Matt, if that's what you're doing. Absolutely. Um, by the way, this AT and T is really lovely. <laughs> the uh, show was fine for nine years on somebody else's stuff, and all of a sudden AT and T. Not to, to continue with the AT and T story, we have mm-hmm. a we have an old copper line here that we use just for stocks and jacks, totally separate from the brokerage firm. Nobody can get from one to the other, and it's and it's their mission to make me get go from that copper line, which always works, to another kind of line, which maybe does work, maybe doesn't. And it's been going on for like three years. So finally, I caved like three months ago, and I said, okay, we'll have somebody over there right away. Well, that was three months ago. So all of a sudden. Yesterday, I got a call from some guy. Hey, we're coming to put this line in like next Tuesday. Kevin, how are you? Good. I was just regaling everybody with uh, AT&T. So the guy calls yesterday. Hey, we're going to come put this line in on Tuesday morning. And I go, okay, this is the famous line. <laughs> is this an apartment? No, it's an office, you ding. Uh, oh, so so what, what apartment number? Uh, it's an office. Oh, do you own the building or do you rent? It is an, it, this, you know, Kevin, is, is there something wrong with this world that I don't quite get or what? It sounds like you have an idiot AT&T office because I, I have dealt with them in the past and never had any such problems. Well, an hour later, now, to bump now, now, generally, when I've worked with AT&T, it's been for fiber installations, um, but nevertheless, uh, they, they, they pretty much have a drill down for, how they go about doing it, and they just have to execute. Well, the, then the guy who called me, who was like the big shot, that finally talked me into getting it changed, he calls me like two hours later. Well, should we do this? I mean, the thing we we're going to do like three months? Yeah. And so some guy just called. Who called? Some guy. I don't know if it was an apartment. says they're coming Tuesday. Oh, man, I don't know anything about that. <laughs> this is all within the space of an hour, Kevin. It, it, well, and they have these real cool... Uh, database thingies. They're very newfangled. And that's how they know what different parts of the company are doing with the same customer. It, it's a, it's just an amazing concept. Well, they don't look you, at it. You know, it, they, but but I know they're new. They've only been around for, you know, 30 years. So Yeah. Um, did you vote? Did I vote? Or did, you, or did you guys vote yesterday? Was that just an Illinois no, phenomenon? No, I was going to say, I, I, I don't live in Illinois, but I guess that shouldn't be no, considered shouldn't. a showstopper. The, uh, well, I, I go to vote down the block, same place I've been voting like forever. 
But the, the book is gone. They actually, everything is now, they must have scanned everybody, so everybody's online, right? Yeah, so I, heard, I heard that Illinois made a lot of changes, and, uh, and actually uh, a friend of mine in the Chicago area said it was pretty positive. Well, I mean, I, I, I'm 50 yards down the block, so it's always been positive. People are always pretty nice. So there's three people, or two, whatever they are, the judges or what, and there's one guy, the judges must have been new, and there's one guy, like, teaching them how to get on the computer and all that stuff. We only had 92 voters, and I wasn't there until 4.30. So, of course, some lady wanders in, and I, and I know I know just why people uh, dreamed up the word Karen. <laughs> she comes in, and she's like, uh, what about this? Like, what about this? Who are, who's in charge? What's going on? The guy said, well, you know, we... They were had a shortage of judges this morning. I came from another place. I've been here all day. Everything's fine. Everything's fine. We got everything under control. Why? So one lady says, "Are you from the Board of Election Commissioners?" And she says, "I'm a citizen. I get to ask all these questions. It's election day. We know how much fraud there is out there. I get to ask these questions. I'm a citizen." I'm like, well, would "You shut up and vote, God bless." But people are we're doing fine, Kevin. <laughs> Somebody just has to criticize, right? I mean, is it the world we're in? What can I tell you? Just saying. Well, yeah, I, I, you know, I don't even know how to explain it. You know, I, I get that there are stressors in people's lives that uh, that didn't exist um, only a few years ago, but nevertheless, there there just is, you know, there's no reason for bad manners. There's never a reason for bad manners. There's never a reason to be uh, a jackass. Well, to flip your um, stress onto somebody else is never the answer. Yeah, basically, our girl lost. Karen, um, late late breaking money from uh, the let's see uh, Jackson Jr. wins. Now, why the old man with all his you know things? But he you know he shut up on the one thing to get the Budweiser distributorship for the one kid. Then the other kid runs for office, gets one of the congressional districts. Him and his wife go to jail, right? Because they were, they were stealing so much money out of it. Now the, now the young one runs, and sure enough, the last minute. Uh, Jackson, the son of Reg- Reverend Jesse Jackson, the brother of former Rep. Jesse Jackson, Jr., faced criticism from his political opponents for receiving donations from political action committees that were linked to cryptocurrency. Uh, what, is, what does he owe these people, Kevin, do you think? Our system is so screwed up. What does he owe the cryptocurrency people? Well, uh, Karen... Uh, pro- probably, probably yeah, owes them to not pull his money out of the crypto. <laughs> but, I mean, this whole, this whole idea... When you have a field of 17 people and everybody's slugging around meeting everybody, and all of a sudden this money comes in from on top, it doesn't take much. I mean, I don't have the, uh, by tomorrow I should get the vote totals. I bet there weren't very many vote totals for anybody. There's 17 candidates. And, uh, you know, when you have a, a small turnout, which you wonder why there is a small turnout, uh, all you need is a couple thousand votes from something, and all of a sudden somebody's on TV, hey, Jesse Jackson's kid, you vote for him. It's just, it's just name recognition. I mean, yeah. I mean, I mean, Trump would never have been president if he didn't have the TV show. I don't think. I mean, uh, I mean, you, you, I mean, Ronald Ronald Reagan would never have been governor if he wasn't an actor. I mean, it's it's just I don't know why people vote for this. You know, the, the people you could be you could be Solomon and nobody get a vote. You wouldn't get a vote. Lincoln wouldn't get a vote now. Neither would Washington. It, it's really a a crazy thing that the skill set to get elected is some combination of TV persona. I've never seen this guy on TV. A TV persona, you know, some sort of a reputation from somewhere, a few people saying some good things about you, and all of a sudden, you're, you're, you're in. And nobody ever knows if you read a book without pictures. I mean, it's, it's kind of, I mean, we really do, 
I go back and forth about whether government is, is crummy or whether we deserve exactly what we get, because it absolutely mirrors the population, which it does. I, you know, I, don't, know, I don't know which is which, Kevin, but uh, one of them is there. So what you're telling me, however, is that uh, Election Day is one of the most depressing days of the year for you. Um, it always is. It always is. You know what even more depressing was I didn't have my Election Day date with me, Eric. Eric and I met, I'm going to say, 12 years ago. I went down the block and voted. I walked into the Tripoli afterward because I like voted no for every judge. Everybody's unopposed. I'm wondering why I even walked, walked my ass down here. And I'm pissed off. So I go, Tripoli, there's all these seats. All of a sudden, this huge black guy comes in, sits down next to me. And I'm like, are there any other seats? <laughs> he starts telling the bartender, you know, I'm pissed off because I went down and voted no on all these judges. And I go, hey, so did I. <laughs> all of a sudden, a beautiful friendship. So, beautiful friendship uh, ensued. In all that, uh, in every uh, election, so, we, we so met. So why don't you and Eric go to vote together anymore? Because he moved down to Hyde Park. So you guys each go to each other's polls. I sent him an email yesterday. I said, I, I hope you haven't re-registered. Will I see you at the Tripoli? And he goes, nope, I've re-registered. So there, 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 there went my date. And, and nothing is more fun, really, than an hour or two talking with Eric. He learns so much. He's one of the brightest guys and the nicest guys I've ever met. And... uh well, at the very least, you need to meet, you know, uh, part way, you know, meet yeah. at the series for, on election day, uh, for the, uh, post vote, for, you know, for the post vote party. Well, I'm gonna have to and track then, him down. And then you invite me because it's yeah. pretty easy to get to come in for drinks. Yeah, well, I mean, he's, uh, so I, I'm not, I'm not happy about Karen losing. Uh, I'm not happy about, so how, why is it, uh, I'm asking you, how come some of the races have a spot for write-in and some don't? I have no idea. And some of the judges, you get to write somebody in, not that you ever would. And some of the, like, some of, like, the clerk's job you might, and something else you don't. So here, here's what I did. I, uh, I don't know, I don't know what you'd do if you grabbed a Republican ballot in our, in our area. I guess you could have voted for the governor. That's probably the hottest contested one. Um, and of course the, 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 the real conservative guy that doesn't have a chance, um, will won, right? Um, so, uh, what's his name? Bailey? So, I, t- I take the uh, the Democratic sheet that has all the people that the party has picked, and Tony Preckwinkle on down, and I and I take that in with me, and I got the Democratic ballot, and I voted for everybody who the party didn't pick. So that was my little revolution for the day. Anybody that Tony Preckwinkle and that gang picked, I don't want to vote for. Is that fair? Um, yeah, <laughs> I think it's. Totally but then again, there's about six of them that are unopposed. I mean, really, what, you, what you're saying is uh, you're, you're, you're voting for not those guys. Yeah. And um, and I think we've we've had a lot of votes for not those those guys. We you know we had the last two presidential elections uh, have been for not that other candidate rather than an affirmative action uh, affirmative vote for uh, a specific candidate. In some cases, there's a, uh, an affirmative support, but. Uh, but I think, the, uh, you know, the lion's share of it was for not not the other one. I'm going to say that uh, the last person I voted for because I liked him was Jerry Ford as a president. I'm trying to think of who the last person I voted for because I really liked him. Maybe because he, he didn't have to go through all the crap to get there. And he, and he was still kind of a regular guy, I think. Anyway, but the... Uh, the difference is, uh, did I ever tell you the, uh, 
story about taking, you know, remember my stepfather, Walt, taking him to vote. And he was a character. We both know that. So we go up to St. Bernadette's, the basketball. Our basketball court was taken over by the voting place. Back when they had all the machines. <laughs> do they do they do for the election like we did for uh, basketball, you know, where we play for a couple hours and then some guy come in tell us it was time to go and we'd go, okay, next, next basket wins. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> okay, time to shut down the polls. Next vote wins. <laughs> so again, this is, this is, of course, no good deed goes unpunished. I say, hey, Walt, how about if I take you to vote in the morning and then I'll drive you to work? Right. You know, so we go in, and you know, it was, you had the machines, and you had the the remember the the drape you, you drew around yourself or put it yep. over your head or something. Well, in those days, and again, somewhere along the line, it, it became illegal to do this. I don't know why, Kevin, but for those that don't remember, Matt, you, I'm sure you don't remember. They used to have you could there there was all these buttons you could put people in every election, or you could just there was a straight party lever on either side where you just pull this huge lever and all the Democrats went down or all the Republicans went down. So there is no such thing now as a straight party ticket, right? When I mean, you have to you have to actually fill in each one. And uh so of course I'm in there selecting this guy. Well that, in a primary the, you can't have it. No, right? but this wasn't the this is the real election. So of course are what are you doing in there? Just pull a Democratic ticket, let's go. <laughs> what would you shut up? Jesus <laughs> He's bellowing in the place. Just pull a Democratic ticket like you're supposed to. I'm going, he was he was always a challenge, but uh, but remember, were you a part of the deal in college where we we made the money from going from precinct to precinct? Yeah, I remember a very nasty evening when, when it was it was really cold and rainy, a cold yeah. and rainy in November, and uh, and <laughs> and uh, it just just miserable. And we did one of those, uh, you know, fill the uh, fill the can with water things for. Uh, our, uh, my roommate Tom, and he came in, and he was so pissed off because he was cold and rainy, and then he got doused when he <laughs> when he opened the door. Yeah. Well, that, I was the uh, I was the wheel man for our year, which must have been it had to be what seventy two was that was that forty was that Nixon yeah. it was Nixon. Yeah. You know, for those that don't even remember, before you had computerized stuff on oh, this. Oh, seventy two, yeah, seventy two would have been Nixon. Yeah, yeah, and uh, it's a tricky Dick sack. Who are you running against? Was that Eagleton? Or, uh, no, what Mondale? Was, um, Mondale. Oh, I got a picture of his face in my head. Was it Mondale? Uh, no, it wasn't Mondale. It was. It was because Reagan ran against Mondale. That's right. It was. Um, oh was Humphrey the first Minnesota. time? Um, well, Mondale's from Minnesota. Humphrey was the first time. Humphrey was sixty-eight. Anyway, Matt, the deal was that. A, they had all these machines lined up at every precinct, and then at the end of the day, there was numbers on the back of the machine for every one of the, of the stuff. So they gave you this 800 number, because everything was all pay phones back then, and everybody went, and as soon as the polls were closed at like 6.30 at the time, they they draw the, the the cord back from the thing, and they'd read off the numbers, and your job was to was to take down the numbers and race for the phone and, and, and call them into New York. And what, what did we get? What did we get? We got like... Two bucks a polling place or something, Kevin? Something ridiculous like that. And I remember I had like eight people in, the, in my old Oldsmobile. My job was to drop everybody off, go get them, and everybody covered like two precincts. So I'm running all around this, this area in downtown. Was it Mishawaka we were? Where were we? We were in Mishawaka or Elkbar or someplace. Man, man, it was fun, though. And yeah. of course, we went right to the bar afterward. But well, that's uh, a good way to get people out there, get them to vote. Well, yeah, I mean, no, I, we couldn't vote. I mean, we uh. were, most of the guys, most of the guys uh, were still registered at home. <laughs> um, 
but some guys registered down there. But yeah. I, I think I did because that was my first election. I think I, I registered down there and then changed it when I came home. But uh, yeah, you, you wouldn't believe the stuff people used to have to do to get like the the uh, you know the results in. Like now, I'm sure everything's just tied into into something. But I was the 92nd voter at our precinct, and I've been there in the afternoon before. I was at 300 and some. So there wasn't much in the way of turnover yesterday. Turn, I mean, who are you gonna vote for? Quigley's unopposed. I mean, you can vote against Pritzker, but which I did, but that's uh, useless. Um, let's see who else. A couple of um, I couldn't vote for Alexi. I don't know. I'm just, I'm just just voting against everybody's bad, Kevin. It's bad for the psyche. Just saying. Um, hey, uh, I sent you that thing um, yesterday. We can maybe look at it a little bit. And I, I've been listening boy, anecdotally <coughs> to people talking about even going out and entertaining. I mean, I was uh, one of my guys last night. I said, how about if I go vote? And if you're around, I'll, I'll meet you over at uh, Lagos. <laughs> he goes, you know what? They raised their drink prices. It cost me 10 bucks to park. I'm out. You know what, Kevin? I think a lot of that's going on. I think a lot of that's going on. It, the parking is ridiculous. Ten bucks for like you know two hours in, in a you know it, when you when you're stuck when you're parking at six o'clock. But and you know everybody has gone up so much in these restaurants. I don't know how you do it every night. Or, I mean, people do, but you you either got a lot of dough right now or you don't. I'm, I'm looking here uh, an article that I sent you out uh, by Jessica Dickler. Was her name D I C K L E R? Jessica Dickler. Um, 58% of Americans are living paycheck, paycheck to paycheck after inflation spike, including 30% of those earning 250000 or more. With inflation still near 40-year highs, more than half of all Americans are living paycheck to paycheck, according to one report. Consumers who are struggling to afford their day-to-day lifestyle tend to rely more on credit cards and carry higher monthly balances, making them financially vulnerable. Even top earners say they are stretched thin, the report found. Uh, I don't think that that's... Uh, you know that that's that's wrong, Kevin. I mean, it's. Uh, I don't I mean. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't right, know. So anybody anybody who was on the plus side of a ledger by, you know, a hundred bucks or even two hundred two hundred bucks, is now on the negative side of the ledger. Or else they're cutting something out. Or else they're or else they're not they're not spending where they were. Well, just a quick pause. Um, uh, it, it was uh, Hubert Humphrey in '68. Nixon beat, and right. George McGovern. In That's the, right, George McGovern. He was McGovern also from, was from South Dakota. Humphrey was from Minnesota. Minnesota, and uh, George McGovern had a pretty he had a long career in the Senate, didn't he? I think he did. Yeah. And uh, yeah, McGovern was around for a long time. He was uh, uh, in office as a Senate Director of Food for Peace House. He was in the House of Representatives for about four years, and then, um, then uh, he was in the Senate for another 10, 10, 12, something like that. So, well, yeah. well, Kevin, the guys... Uh, <clears throat> the okay, guys. So we were talking paycheck to paycheck, sorry. Yeah, and I also was uh, finally got the money supply numbers for May. All right, now we're a month behind. How do you do? Well, actually, I think if you if you if you watch the market, if you had these numbers almost every day, you know, you could trade better. I think um, <coughs> month of May, they they dropped the growth in the money supply pretty dramatically, really starting in March. And on the month of May, it, it was barely positive, barely positive, like like you know almost nothing. And you saw the stock market start to drop. And I'm going to say that the in this in the last four weeks, the balance sheet has snuck back up again. 
So I'm going to say they started to increase the money supply again in June, and you're going to see a higher June number because the market did come back some, and I think they got a little terrified at how fast it was going. And uh, yesterday, all everybody is pointing to this is this is the mantra now. If you're a, if you're a market tout, you know, which obviously I am because we've been long, and fortunately we rolled puts up enough that we didn't lose near as much yesterday as we made the couple days before. Um, but it's the, the 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 spiel now is well, my opinion before I give the spiel is that we never can tell people the truth, Kevin. We never we never in, in our in our misuse of terms. It's almost to the point where I, I, you know, it's hard for me to even talk to somebody because they've been talked to in those terms so much. They'll say uh, prices are coming down because commodities and gas is coming down a little bit. And I said, well, okay, now I'm going to say the rate of inflation, which you never were told the real number was, has started to subside. But you're not going to see any pullback in any of these prices because we're not we're not actually pulling money out of the system. We're just we're just lowering the growth rate. And, and we probably have almost yeah. That zero. box of cereal still costs a lot of money. Yeah, and uh, by the way, I might have a new record on that. You know that everybody knows I cook in the office. We still remember down here to breakfast on, in the downtown area around me, around us by the exchanges. And uh, what's the real, what's the real expensive uh, pancake stuff? The one we get the oat, oatmeal or the oat bran in there and all the good uh, stuff. Klondike, Kodak, Klondike, it's Klondike. Oh, okay. Well, the, the box, which isn't very big, the fir- in the first place. The plastic bag of pancake batter in the box is roughly exactly half. Roughly exactly half. How's that for use of language, English language? But so they could actually cut off the top, you know, let's say at least 40% of the box. <laughs> it, it, it's, it's a great world, Kevin, but, uh, uh, you know, and everybody else, it's, and it's six bucks for, for a, from a, a half a box of pancake mix. Just saying. But uh, no, I mean, I mean, why, why, why can't we, as as we talk on t- national TV, why can't we be accurate with our definitions and our statements? Are we are we deliberately trying to mislead people, or do the people who are actually doing the talking don't understand it, which is possible? But how does anybody constantly talk about you know misleading terms? The the demand has gone up. No, the demand, or the demand has gone down. No, it hasn't. The quantity demanded has gone down. The demand curve is a curve. And if you move the price, the higher the price, the less people are going to buy, but it's already on the curve. The demand, the, the curve didn't shift. Why can't we say that? Uh, because I don't think people understand it. Well, they're never going to <laughs> if you, if you keep, if you keep, uh, if you keep using the wrong terms, just saying. Well, I, I agree with you, and, and but it, it actually takes time and, and thoughtfulness to uh, to be, you know, to educate a little bit. So you can't be doing that. Um, doesn't fit into the time slot. No, it doesn't fit into the time slot. But I, I don't. The idea that I mean, some of the it, stuff. However, and, and I will say this: there were a few things on this morning on uh, uh, Maria Bartiromo's show where you know somebody was up there saying, "Yeah, the, the reason that uh, the market was you know had that." really really bad week was it was margin call time um, yeah well I, I don't I and, and, and I haven't heard anybody talking about that and I heard another guy on them on there uh, saying well I can't comment on a specific stock it's not you know it's not allowed for my job you know given what I do for a living um, um, who's so, that he must be somebody from a small firm 
that's afraid of actually being regulated. Yeah, I don't know. Nobody I recognize, so I don't. You know, I don't yeah, know if it was a big firm, right, the big firm, they wouldn't care a lot. It was if it was Morgan Stanley or somebody? They'll, they'll tell you. They'll do whatever they want because they're untouchable. You imagine? Yeah. Somebody, but, somebody, you know, a few of your pet, fee- pet peeves were uh, actually addressed today. Well, actually, someone spoke to them. That's that's. Well, I don't think we're ever going to get over the pet pet peeve that, that small people get get. Uh, uh, treated differently by the regulatory system than big people. Hey, you know, uh, guess, guess what? Last night, uh, I'm sure we're never gonna. After the break, I'll, I'll tell the story because the statute of limitations are probably up on it. But uh, um, Walmart is now being uh, prosecuted for people being able to launder money through their whatever their cash. When we come back, Kevin, you can explain to me how this is, how they were. I just go to break, and then you can ex- you can explain because I don't understand, even though we did get. We had a problem with it years ago. SP Futures down 8, NASDAQ Futures down 35. Be right back, Stacks and Jacks. Are you one of the millions of people who suffer with pain? Do you wake up in the morning with stiffness in the lower back or neck? Why are you using medication to cover up the symptoms without treating the actual cause? Painkillers, muscle relaxants, and anti-inflammatories are not the answer. At ChiroMed, physicians are trained to detect the cause of your symptoms and to correct the underlying problem. If you're ready to listen to common sense and do what it takes to make changes in your body that can affect your health for the rest of your life, give ChiroMed a call and set up a complimentary consultation. They are located in Orland Park and can be reached at 708-403-2727. 20,000 patients over 22 years have been treated at ChiroMed, and over 90% of them have had positive results without medication or expensive surgery. Isn't it time you did something good for your body too? Give ChiroMed a call, 708-403-2727. That's 708-403-2727. Let's get you pain-free and living again. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, owner of Home Source Realty and frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks Radio Show. If you're thinking about purchasing real estate, this summer could be a good time to shop around. Whether you're a novice or seasoned investor, low interest rates, and a good inventory make adding bricks-and-mortar investment to your portfolio an interesting possibility. Many a great fortune has begun with the purchase of property. Call me today for your personal investment consultation, and I would be happy to get you started on your path to prosperity. You can reach me at Audrey Johnson at Realtor.com or call me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Interested in promoting your business to a high-end audience comprised of entrepreneurs, traders, executives, and the everyday business person? Consider advertising on Stocks and Jocks. With a devout listenership covering the Chicago market along with a vast online presence, advertising on Stocks and Jocks may be just what it takes to put your business over the top. For more information, contact me, Matt Weber, at matt at stocksandjocks.net. That's matt at stocksandjocks.net. The smartest man alive! Stocks, jocks, stocks, and jocks. You are out of control! Here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Hello and welcome back to Stocks and Jocks. I'm Tom Al. At Burn on the board, S&P Futures are uh, down six. They were, they were up last night and they were down more this morning and now we're coming back to... Well, looking like we're heading back to break even. Who knows if we're going to make it or not. SP, SP Futures down 6. Nasdaq Futures down 27. Dow Futures down 23. We've got no major moves are in the diet. Chevron Tax go up a buck. Uh, Goldman Sachs up a buck 70. McDonald's up a buck 70. Uh, but, but the futures are still down a little bit. 
over in Europe. We've got these guys were down last night, but they're down a lot now too. Dax down two seventy four two percent. Puts it out forty three point six percent. Cac around down seventy three one point two percent. The well, let me do the rest. I'll finish this and then I'll say what allegedly happened yesterday. Nikkei down two forty four point nine percent. Shanghai down forty seven one point four. These guys were all pretty good yesterday. Giving it all back. Hang Seng down four twenty two. Back under twenty two thousand is one point nine percent. Yesterday, I said we were up twenty five spoos in the morning. We finished down eighty, so it's a hundred point move. Uh, Dow was down four ninety one. S and P down seventy eight. Nasdaq down three forty three. So it was a pretty bloody in the afternoon. Uh, bonds ten years down five basis points, three point one six. The bond minus four basis points, one point six. Japan unchanged at point two four. We've got oil. Up a buck ten to one twelve eighty six. Brent up eighty seven cents one eighteen eighty five. Natural gas back up twenty one cents, but still uh, six uh, seventy eight way below the nine dollar number. But still, it's a four percent move in one day. Arbob down two two cents to three ninety. We've got gold up six fifty to eighteen twenty seven. Silver up nine cents twenty ninety six. Copper up two cents to uh, three seventy nine. And we have Bitcoin uh, twenty thousand zero five eight. Uh, t- Messing around with that 20,000 number again, which people think are, uh, a lot of people think is, uh, maybe margin call city for that thing. Um, but I don't, you never really know because it's not published anywhere that I can, that I can find. Uh, Matt, what do you have for us, Traffic Weather Sports? Yeah, good morning. It's currently 6.34 a.m. on Wednesday, June 29th, 2022. Uh, now for, uh, I would say sports, but it's just sport uh, uh, as singular. It's uh, just MLB right now. Uh, Cubs at Wrigley yesterday. They lose 3-5 to five against Cincinnati Reds. Uh, White Sox, big win against L.A. Uh, Los Angeles uh, Angels, 11-4. Uh, notable plays, uh, uh, Josh Harrison and Lewis Robert hit two home runs. Diamondbacks took on San Diego Padres yesterday and win Phoenix 7, San Diego 6. Now for weather in Chicago. Uh, currently in Chicago, uh, partly cloudy, 70 degrees, a high of 81, and a low of 70. In Phoenix, clear skies, 91 degrees, yeah, even at 4 o'clock hour, a uh, high of 107 degrees, and a low of 86 degrees. Now for traffic in Chicago. Traffic eastbound on the Eisenhower between the I-9, I-294 North Tri-State Tollway, uh, a little before Eisenhower, uh, right on the, uh, 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 Eisenhower, right on the, I would say, uh, uh, Reagan. That's the president I was looking for, uh, to Harlem Avenue. Uh, traffic eastbound on the Kennedy between Cumberland Avenue and Foster Avenue. Traffic westbound on the Kennedy between Damon Avenue and North Avondale. And finally, traffic northbound on the Stevenson between Harlem Avenue and South Pulaski Road. Uh, now back to you, Chief, with your uh, alleged crime that you committed. Uh, yeah, well, we, except we didn't do it. <laughs> we had, um, Kevin, the, uh, remember the, the, well, the story with the people who managed to uh, email and get money? Everybody, every, every firm, even if you don't know it, every firm has had some kind of an issue with a hack of some kind. And we are... We are uh, no no stranger to that, but thank God we only have only had one, and it was years ago. And uh, obviously, you button up things after something like that happens, especially when it costs you. And uh, so, anyway, the, the the upshot of the story was somebody hacked into one of the client's emails and was conversing with our back office just like it was the client, and and he had had a history of saying he's retiring, he was going to. Uh, you know, he wasn't feeling well, and blah, blah, blah. He was going to send some money to his relatives. Well, anyway, we get the thing to send the money to who we thought were relatives. But upshot of it was uh, 50 grand goes to this lady in uh, Alabama who doesn't have, you know, basically a pot to pee in. And uh, what we find out afterward, because, of course, I get no help from any, any single one of the, of the uh, 
uh, any law enforcement thing. So I end up having a, I hire a private investigator in it because I'm a little bit of a terrier on stuff like this. Because I mean, I don't really want to get stolen from. And uh, by the way, the fact that nobody will go after him just means that they're very active. So the money goes to this lady's bank in, in Alabama, and I end up with all the bank records and everything from these people. So I get to throw, go through all the stuff. Lady's Social Security is like thirteen hundred a month, and she's living on that in the house. You know, some little house she must have been paid for, and and uh, so this check or his wire arrives in the bank. The bank doesn't question it, doesn't do anything. The next day, now it was, but allegedly this is some guy she met on the internet that told her to do this. The money was coming her way, and she goes. She, now she never had any money in her bank account other than like a couple of grand ever, because I had to, I get all the. The, you know the stuff going way back. This fifty grand shows up. She walks in and gets twenty four thousand dollars in cash. Cash. I, I don't even know if a bank here would even give that to you. But walks down to the Walmart. Now, didn't you used to have to use Western Union and somebody else? Then Walmart. Yeah, they use um, Western Union and I think MoneyGram. I think they. Yeah, they. They. I think they outed Western Union. They used somebody else. Might have been MoneyGram. She takes the cash down to the Walmart, and they wire the money to Egypt, no questions asked. Now, I've had ladies here that work in the series that are, are from uh, Romanian places, and at Christmas time, they want to send their, their parents, you know, five grand or something for a Christmas present. No, nobody will take that wire, cash. Nobody here in Chicago will. They'll, they think it's money laundering, they think it's something. Nobody will take that wire. They haven't been for 15 years. The next day, the lady gets, like, the re- some of the remaining cash goes to the same Walmart. They wired that to Egypt too, two days in a row. So the guy, whoever had told her to take the money, is bitching at her because there's still six hundred bucks left, and he didn't get the whole amount. So she dutifully grabs the other six hundred, goes to the Walmart, and they go, "You've been flagged. We can't send any more for you." What does she do? She gets in the car, drives to the next Walmart, and they send it. And so when we had a, a you know, we had a, a civil suit. Walmart comes in in the federal court and they said, if it's not seventy-five grand, we're out because the minimum for a, a civil, uh, a federal court case is uh, is seventy-five. So the judge dismisses them. You know, even though the total was way more than seventy-five grand. So now, now we're left with we either can sue Walmart in Alabama, which how the hell am I going to do that? So we're left left basically with nothing. Well, now all of a sudden, years later. The uh, FTC or something, somebody's coming up with a, a a lawsuit against Walmart, countrywide, saying millions and millions of dollars have been used by this MoneyGram illegally to get money overseas and, and avoiding any money laundering stuff. So I guess Kevin, what we'll, maybe we'll get what one cents on the buck or something, but at least somebody. Well, I, I, I don't know what's going to happen because Walmart is at least in in its statement um, about this said. The the um, the feds have already gone after MoneyGram, and they have already gone after Western Union on this, and settled with them. And now they're coming back for the same transactions to go after Walmart, even though they part of their agreement was um, that uh, MoneyGram and Western Union were under their supervision, you know, special audits and things like that. That uh, um, so so this continued to go on right under the Fed's nose, but uh, um, basically Walmart is claiming we broker their services. You, you know, go after them, and and I you know I don't know if that's fair or not fair, but 
Um, but generally, when it comes to transaction law, um, it's, it's created to try to get it down to two parties rather than, you know, rather than dragging third parties into it. Because everybody wants to drag, you know, drag the deepest pockets in, even if the deep, deepest box pockets are not directly responsible. But, you know, from my banking law days, um, you know, this this may very well be, um, you know, where Walmart will once again get to bow, bow out of it and say, hey, it's it's between you and the and the actual well, when you're the feds and the money transfer, I don't think MoneyGram. I don't know that much about it, but I don't think MoneyGram would have been MoneyGram if it wasn't for Walmart, because they they got well, you know very possibly. Um, uh, you know, it, uh, there's a, there's a lot of companies that are third party providers for Walmart, and uh, and they've made a lot of money doing it. You know, right right down to uh, um, you know banks with branches that might you know would never have grown if they didn't if they weren't uh, didn't have the Walmart presence, or even things like ATMs that wouldn't have any. You know where they wouldn't have a, a profitable ATM network unless, uh, but for their WalMarts, that's that's not unusual at all. Well, I guess the issue that always is, uh, you know, biting at me, as you know, Kevin, you're on the show enough with me. The idea that if if, if you walked in here with ten thousand bucks, that, that you can say, "Hey, my dad just croaked; it was in his drawer with my name on it," and could prove that here's here's the obituary from four days ago. Kevin, nobody care. Nobody would take that. If you went to I, a, I understand. Yeah. My my question is 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 was that a Walmart employee who took that transfer, or was it a Western Union employee or or somebody like that who happened to uh, work in an office in Walmart? And I don't know the answer to that. Well, the fact that you could go from one Walmart to another and they're not like talking to each other or something, whatever it is, it would be yeah. Western Union. Okay, but now, I, again, I, I'm not yeah. I'm not defending Walmart because I don't know the answer to that. But I'm not going to assume um, that uh, uh, right away that it's Walmart's liability anyway. I, I it may it may very well prove to be, but uh, but at the moment, uh, you know, we, I don't have the information to say. Yeah, that I, 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 I get it. There's all that's why you have lawyers. That's why you have discussions like this. But I mean, clearly, uh, two days in a row. Money above now in a bank over eleven thousand, they got to file a report, right? That, that's just to put money in the bank. Yet, how can somebody who has a sort of a like business be able to take twice that two days in a row and ship it to a place that, that really, at the time this happened, this is right before the Paris attacks, for God's sake. So I mean, it's not. Yeah, it's, you, it, you would think that that somebody would have caught it, and that if you got flagged at one office, that it should be in the system, and you're flagged at both. Yeah, and plus I would I, I would think that would be the case, and I, and I also would think that if 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 uh, if you know one of the listeners is in some rural area, they never had a dime, and all of a sudden a fifty thousand dollar wire shows up in their account, in the next two days they pull it out with cash. Somebody has a question somewhere. Hey, hey, Mrs. Whatever, what are, what are, what are you doing? <laughs> I, somehow, Kevin, what are, what do they say for uh, for? Uh, all it has to happen is for things to go bad is for good people to say nothing or something like that. I mean, I, oh anyway. yeah, that's on ethical issues, but it, yeah. would, it would apply to everything else too. Yeah, even common sense would, would you know would would have you asking some questions about it. Um, but uh, unfortunately, we don't often legislate 
common sense. I wish we could. I wish we could, too. Could you, could, could you, couldn't it be great if you could just send people to jail for being a dumbass? Well, you know, you actually could in the, in the, in the, uh, in the, in the exchange business. Because they, they try to define all the nasty stuff people could do. And I was never on business conduct, but I was close enough being on the board and stuff to have some pretty good idea. I had to do an appeal of a case once. Uh, at the end of the day, at the end of somewhere at the top or the bottom of the list of all the all the bad stuff you could do, was something was a clause saying anything that uh, anything that uh, conflicts with the just and equitable principles of trade, which is kind of a I don't know what you even call that some sort of a a cover all catch all catch all to where yeah, hey look if, even if we haven't defined it if you see somebody doing it and go. Wait a minute! If everybody did it that way, this place would be accessible. Whatever that was, even if we had, if if you came up with a new fetish, <laughs> a new way to steal, if you were stealing, this covers you. Which I thought it could be very slippery. I know, but it's also it's also pretty interesting. If you can figure out a way we haven't figured out yet, you're still guilty. <laughs> I, there's, I mean, there's pluses and minuses to that, Kevin. But I think it was kind of comforting to people on the floor. Wait a minute! You 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 found a trap door in the floor. You could pop out where the broker was, even though it's not defined here. That's not just an equitable. You're out of here. <laughs> so yeah, well, you're, you're out of here. You know, the alternative is beatings. So yeah. uh, you know, it, it probably it's probably a way to maintain a certain uh, amount of decorum. Well, I mean, a, a, you know, punching somebody on the floor instead of assault was like a hundred dollar fine. So there was that going on too. Not too often, but. There were many threats. Yeah, now, now that becomes an economic decision. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I, well, that's why I, I actually. Uh, yeah, just cost me five grand. Make it fifty one hundred. Yeah. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I one day, one guy, I did tell him one day, one more word, and I'm meeting, I'm meeting you at the horse because that's where he, he took it outside. It was at the horse. That happened once. Chief, he, was this a hundred dollars per punch or? Well, if it got real bad, I mean, just ah. just a, just a, just one one throw was like a hundred bucks. If it was like your first time, because everybody broke it up right away, usually. Well, two hundred, you get two punches in. So yeah, we'll do, you know, if it was egregious, then we could it could be more. But ah. uh, you know, you know what they say? It's it's funny till somebody loses an eye or an eighth. <laughs> was it? Yeah. <laughs> so Kevin, uh, what uh, the uh, what do you, what are you seeing? And I don't think that this that the Inflation in your area is as bad, but it just it does bother me when people start talking about. Don't worry, gas is starting to come down, or or soybeans are coming down. No, no nobody quite gets that. There's a, uh, you know, there's there's two two things here: the amount of the amount of water in the pool, which the Fed is actually starting to pull back on. So I actually do think that the rate of inflation going up has uh, has probably slowed down dramatically, but. The level now we're at, okay, we're, the river isn't rising anymore, but it's still at flood stage. Now what do we do? I mean, and that's probably the best, uh, similar, you know, similarity I can make. We're, we're at levels that people at their current income can't live like they used to do. And what do we do? I mean, I mean, if, if even if you and I were in charge, do we pull back and growth below the growth of the economy? In other words, if we do think we have a 2% growth, which I don't think we do, but say we did, are we going to cut money supply growth to zero or to negative to try and bring the total level of prices back to make it, or are we going to say, let's just let the current level be here, and over the next decade or so, 
somehow or other people are going to fight their wages up to where they'll be okay. I don't know. How, what call would you make? Well, I, I, don't think, know. I think we should go with the latter and, and trust the deft touch of the Federal Reserve over a long period of time. Um, ah, just kidding. Well, you, I mean, they, they could do it. Sure, yeah. Sure they could. But, I mean, but would, would you find, or are you going to find that the people who literally don't normally get as much raises as other people, that 10 years from now you've got yet another people driven below what used to be called middle class and just, just wallowing around where they can ever... I mean, I, I have to believe that if the price of automobiles stays like 50, 60 grand, I don't see how anybody making 30 grand a year ever buys a new car. I mean, I don't know how the hell are you going to do that. I mean, you have to find one. Well, you can find one cheaper, maybe. Well, and, and yet, you know, by official policy of the uh, federal government, we are trying to push people into electric cars, which are more expensive still. Well, yeah, I mean, we, nothing matches up, Kevin. We know that. But, I mean, look, I, mean when, I, I would say that I always take a look at the, I mean, we're old enough, Kevin, we can take a look at the, the decades. You know, in, in 1980, you know, the, the, I'm going to say the, whatever the median income probably was in 1980 was probably what, 13, something like that, 15? But a car was four. You know, and now the median income was 36, and then what's the average price of a car? 36, something like that. So, so you're not even. I mean, a house was what, forty-five, so it was three times the median income, and now it's, it's what, twelve times the median 450. income. Yeah, <laughs> ten times more. Yeah, it's, um, it's you know. So I mean, you're whatever it is, it's a big number. Yeah, you're, you're not you're not even on the same planet, despite the uh, labor's you know Bureau of Labor Statistics attempts to keep this sort of even through the decades. A, I don't see how you can, and B, I don't think they've even tried. So. I mean, if you were to, if you were to do a, I said another way, I'll, I'll put a Hal Snar question to you. If you were to go, go back over the last, say, 40 years and do a one-time adjustment to the CPI, what do you think it would look like? Yeah, a one-time adjustment to accomplish what? Well, to say, okay, wait a minute, it looks to me like you've got, uh, hospital costs up, you know, uh, doubling in the last 20 years, it looks like they're up three times. And oh, by the way, up three times, they're no longer 6% of somebody's budget. They're more like 12 or, or 20 or whatever the hell the number would be. If you did that, what do you think it would look like? I mean, I think that the CPI would at least double from the current number. Yeah, it, it would. And, you know, here, here's the thing is we, we like to try and smooth that out and, and you know, how, how do we manage the basket and all, all that stuff that goes into it. But in reality, we could take everything that we have now and retroactively, you know, go back and reconstruct what uh, the prices would be, um, at, you know, back at the, in the day for the same thing. Now, of course, we have things that didn't exist back then. So right. Well, that's a big problem. That's a big problem. Well, it is. So, so how do you, you know, so how do you generalize it? How do you recategorize it and then use the categories to do it? I don't know. I'd have to think about that for a while to, you know, formulate a, uh, what I think a good methodology would be. But, uh, you know, for instance, um, and, and then the next question is, is it worth it? Because, uh, just if you think of just, you know, what telecommunications means. I was just going to uh, say that. You know, what it meant 30 years ago and what it means now. Um, they're they're going to be entirely different things. The spending is going to be entire, you know, much, much greater. But even that, you know, you can take things like, you know, it wasn't that long ago 
that we were counting the minutes in our cell phone plans to try and manage the cost. You know, can I get by with a 300-minute plan? And before I exceed it, they start charging me a lot. Now, you know, what's a cell phone plan? It's un- unlimited anywhere, you know, there, and there's no in, in you know, on-network, off-network. No, none of that stuff exists anymore. Um, so, you know, you, you have that part of it, but on the other hand, we are spending a lot, of, a lot more on communications-related things, whether it's telephones, uh, computers, Internet, et cetera, and we're spending a lot more, and so now you start having to ask the question, okay, it, you know, if we just look at the raw number for that, it's going to be big, and it's going to be a jaw-dropping number, but is it worth it to us? You know, is, uh, because, you know, we certainly are getting a lot more communications, whether it's valuable communications or not is another issue, but we get a lot more communications than we did for the money that we spent. Well, there's no, there's so no I, question, but there you know, even I, I, I don't know. There's this, there's this long, drawn-out, you know, how do you build the model type of question um, that uh, I, I wouldn't even, uh, you know, it, it would take just lots of months of conversation to just figure it out, figure out where you want to go with it. Well, the new stuff... It would be a fun, fun, fun exercise. We need one of our research professors, because I don't have to do research. No. But, you know, we need to... We need to say Cal or, or uh, Russell's coming on next. Yeah, well, we'll make him do Get it. Get Russell started on that. Well, if you look at the communication stuff, everybody uh, you know, on the exchange floor, I mean, everybody had, everybody got around the system somehow, Kevin. You had, you had a tie line to New York. You picked up the phone at the booth, and uh, it, it rang in New York at that booth. That, that was a tie line. It only went to one spot. Then you had a whole bunch of watch lines. They were very expensive. Yes, but, but once you got one, there were like two grand a month for a watch line. Then you could call long distance all you wanted on that particular line. In fact, they had, uh, in order to jam more on the watch lines, people made inventions where as much as you think that you can dial real fast, I mean, or, or, or dial or punch the buttons real fast, uh, they actually had machines where you'd hit the nine numbers in there, well, was it nine numbers or ten? And the machine would hold the numbers and then feed them to the watch line, like in a blink of an eye, faster than you hacking around on the stuff to save if you did that like a thousand times a day, you saved God knows what. You could save a whole line, but but you saved airtime. You saved airtime. So, but the, but the point being is, you know, but at home, I'm sure I'm sure your mom, if it was long distance, it was your grandmother. It's long distance. You know, get over here and say hello to grandma. And I did shut oh, up. Oh yeah, you you want to do? You, you were traveling and you wanted to let somebody know that you were home. You'd call them up person to person. You'd yeah. call yourself person to person, and they knew. Okay, that's just. Or you let it ring three times and hang up, or something. something yeah, like well, you know, whatever it was, because yeah, long distance was expensive. But then it, and, and God knows if if uh, if you're in college and your girlfriend's from New Jersey and you live in Chicago, your phone bills are going to be horrendous. Oh God, yeah. Well then, but then it got to it was me. But to make it like you're saying, how hard it is to actually do this right. That's why I don't want the job, okay. But I also, but I know that uh, at some point now everybody has these these newfangled car phones, right? Well, if you went out of town and you were roaming, I mean, I know, you know, Jean, Jean Pearl, her dad was one of the first person that had them. Her dad had it and Billy Hake's dad because they, they both sold, uh, sporting equipment all around the state, all the high schools and stuff. So they needed, they, they actually needed it for work. Their bills per month, especially if they were roaming and stuff, you know, two, three, four hundred dollars was, was not, I mean, it might have been way more than that, Kevin, but it was, it was their business. They were like, but then no, I, I yeah. even had the same thing in ni- in the nineties when uh, you know uh, I, I was in St. Joe, Michigan, but we bought um, some banks in Indiana, so I was on the on the road shuttling down there a lot because I had operations at all of it, and um, and 
people needed to be able to find me. But don't, my God, don't use this. You know, don't use it unless you have to. Yeah. But if you need, you know, uh, because it's expensive to use it, and we were managing a budget. Well, the best best investments on earth were those. Ro- if you if you had one of the roving towers, where every time someone played a minute call today, you charge them like five bucks or some huge number. But but I'm saying, you're right. It, it would be it would yeah, but, be. But the, the point I think I think just taking it back to the discussion is. What, what we're describing is how we live. Yeah. And so, you know, we're, what we're really talking about when we want to discuss the cost of living is how much does it cost to live what's considered a normal life in an era? And and how much of that cost, you know, is consumed, uh, is, uh, how much of your paycheck do you uh, consume with that cost? And I, I think that's probably a way to think about it because if we just go to nominal prices, we're not going to get a good idea of what happens. And if, if you listen to Hal yesterday, I mean, uh, and, and every week, he really is, is is focused in, and he's really, I think he's on board with the whole idea that whatever whatever industry somehow gets favored by government over a period of time and can get their, 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 their fingers in, into some kind of regulation. I mean, if you compare, if you compare the medical industry now with when we were kids okay well first of all you don't want to be sick when we were kids i mean you don't want to have cancer you didn't want to a cavity damn near they want to pull your tooth so it's there's no comparison yet i'm going to say that in those days 80 percent of the money went to the doctor now what goes to the doctor 30 maybe these these hospitals are are massive uh castles to the administrative people that work there the overhead rates are uh, abusive they are absolutely abusive. I mean, you can go to an emergency room, get an eight thousand dollar bill, and it, and the three doctors that work down here are going to make five hundred bucks. Where's where's the other seventy five hundred going? I mean, obviously you need equipment, you need a place, but it, it's it's abusive. Going to administrative, yeah. going to legal, yeah. you know, uh, insurance premiums uh, for for your practice, let alone uh, insurance processing for every transaction. Yeah, it's it's. Uh, it's it's in anything except the um, delivery of carrots. Well, and, and this the the uh, your electric bill, your gas bill, same thing. Industries with their nose up the ass of government. There's the the what you, the administrative. I'll bet you could take the top 250 people at People's Gas, Commonwealth Edison, any one of those places in the country. Maybe some states are better at regulating. You're going to find that the top 250 people are making two to three times market market wage. And they have every single person who's their lobbyists get paid a lot, their attorneys get paid a lot. It's it's all part of this big, massive cesspool of cash that they get from people. And the, they're so far away from being anywhere remotely competitive. And, and the thing of it is, there's only a certain is, is uh, you reach the point where your people can't pay. And uh, and I think we're we're getting there with this inflation. I mean, we I mean, I, I, when we first started the show, I said you know. We had all these prices moving up for all this period of time, and people have not gotten raises. The worst thing you can do is if we end up foolishly in some sort of an inflationary environment, you're going to skewer your population, just skewer. And, and, and it, God bless it, Kevin, it's happening. I mean, I mean a, a, regular, a regular person has... i tell you what, if you're in the trades, actually, if you're, if you're like a painter or something... Those guys have been able to scoot their prices up high enough to where I think they're hanging in there. It's it's the it's the people working the low ends of these of these corporations or, or businesses. I mean, they 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 can't double people raise. But I, I know people that have have had you know 
six painters over for a whole day. Now it's a full long day, and they know what they're doing. They it's not like they don't deserve their money. They're making a grand a day when when they're working. I mean, uh, yeah. So so, but uh, you know, think about that, and then think why you know why are so many people opting out of the job market at a time when inflation's going up? Is and that's because between the expense of getting to work and uh, and, and being at work. Uh, and then on top of that, you're piling on that uh, um, that your real wage uh, real wages have fallen over, especially over the last couple of years. And and now you say, well, okay, if my life is going to suck, maybe it'll suck a little bit more if I'm sitting at home collecting unemployment. But hey, you know, sucks suck as suck. Yeah. That can, it, by the way, that's the title for today's show. Oh, good. Kevin, take care of yourself. We got to. Going to break away here and get get uh, our buddy Russell. SP futures up 11, SP futures up 31. So we swung from the downside to the upside. Must be our scintillating, bullish conversation. We'll be right back, Stacks and Jacks. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to gauge the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other decision. And Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with relevant trade ideas, and equips you with cutting-edge tactics you don't already know. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on pursuing life, luxury, and happiness through sports, fitness, travel, food, spirits, music, and a whole lot more. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Is your business being challenged by the complexities surrounding healthcare reform or other matters related to human resources management? If so, then Cognos HR can help. A longtime friend and contributor to the Stocks and Jocks radio program, Cognos HR provides its clients with a perfect blend of strategic consulting and day-to-day HR management to drive overall improvement in business performance. Companies that join the Cognos HR family are better able to manage health care costs, enhance benefit offerings, and improve employee satisfaction by leveraging our access to Fortune 500 benefits. Our innovative onboarding and payroll technology, along with our constant attention to detail, enables us to provide the highest level of quality service to our clients. Now, your time and energy can be focused on generating business and increasing your bottom line. We'll take care of the rest. For more information, call us at 630-401-8810 or search us on the web at CognosHR.com. Cognos HR, innovation and human resources. Licensed in Illinois and Arizona. Hello, this is Tom Howell, the Chief. Confused about investing these days? I suspect you are not alone. Investing was never easy, although at times it may have seemed so. I think one reason behind the current concern, although maybe not explained as such, is how the fluctuation of the American dollar and the associated politics is affecting your investments and your wealth. It may not be enough to make some money in your investments. You may need now to make enough to exceed the amount that your leadership is depreciating the value of the dollars you've worked your whole life to accumulate. That same leadership has seen fit to maneuver risk-free interest rates to near zero. Providing positive risk-averse returns in a zero-interest and declining real-wealth environment is by far the toughest assignment I've ever had in my years as a money manager. I'm sure that a lot of you have heard that one way to possibly deal with this problem is to invest in so-called hard currencies like silver and gold, the idea being that they will retain their relative value in the face of devaluation of paper currencies like the dollar. To be honest, I have never been a gold bug. I've always had faith that having enough dollars and a good investment strategy was good enough. Now I'm not so sure. 
But I do know that if I did invest in gold or silver, I'd want to do it in the same manner as we do with PTI for investments in the market, with defined risk. If you feel the need to invest in gold or silver, we can do it using the same strategies that we use for our protected index program. No matter what you invest in, we feel that you need to know and control your risk. Find us at PTISecurities.com. That's PTISecurities.com. If you can't learn how to close, you better start thinking about another career. And I am deadly serious about that. Stocks, jocks, and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Hello and welcome back to Stacks and Jacks. I'm Tom Howell. He's Matt Byrne of the Board. He always surprises me with the uh, 7 o'clock music. Uh, we're up 12.50 on the S&P now. We're up 38 on the NASDAQ. We were up last night. We were down this morning really fairly heavily, and we were uh, down last time we did this, but now we are up. We'll see if we stay up. We have Mr. Russell. What's up? How are you, man? What's the good word? all right. So... Is this a collect call, or, or, or uh, you gonna, should I send you a bill? I can, <laughs> okay. Well, you know, uh, we do, if, if, if people are in hotel rooms, what we do is... Oh, they, I know. Yeah, I know. Yeah, you can't, ever, can't, so. can't always go the, uh, <laughs> the other way. If needed. Hey, uh, yesterday, some of these... Uh, you know this kind of surprised me, uh, Russell? Do you ever look at the uh, the Fed, uh, G, or the Atlanta Fed GDP Now thing? No. I have not. Well, they now you, it's, now you got me squirreling. Well, but no, but it's a, they. The Atlanta Fed is they keep, they keep predicting the uh, GDP numbers of the current quarter based on everything that's happening. They adjust it like every day or two, and I've been, I've okay. been, I've been kind of interesting reading it because all of the indices. You know, you see all these economic reports come by, and to be honest with you, I I, I don't think any of them. Well, maybe I'm wrong now, but I, I used to think like none of these things are like tradable. You know, like the the uh, Empire State and this and that and all these other like, you know, government expenditure numbers and this stuff. I mean, you know, I, I mean, you probably would have more respect for them than I do, but they're all just this wash of kind of small economic numbers that can buy every day. Well, the Atlantic Fed like adjusts their stuff based on these things like almost like every other day. Oh man, government government expenditures were down a little bit, so they they'll notch it down like a, a tenth of a point. They watch all those things. Now, yesterday was kind of weird because we were doing a show and it was. Market was up reasonably well. We had a big bounce back on Monday from last week's, you know, pretty lousy day on Thursday and Friday, and uh, it looked like we were going to, you know, come right through yesterday with a second day of being, mm-hmm. uh, well, actually, you know, maybe a second day of a bounce. And uh, and sure enough, this this consumer confidence thing comes out, which you know, they it's got to be, I don't know, it seems like there's a bunch of these confidence numbers. Thing comes out and it's a clunker for like worse than a decade or something. All of a sudden. Coincidentally, I don't know if that was the reason. Coincidentally, the market head south and never looked back and finished on its low. I mean, it, we had a horrible day, we had like a hundred and ten point move in the spoos. But are, are, is it is it just coincidental that that number happened to come out and has nothing to do with it, or, or are people actually watching this stuff? It all takes a little bit to turn things. I don't know if that would be a number that would have turned us, but yeah, because that one's not related to the things that we're overly concerned about. Well, yeah, I, I, that's what I would say, too. It did come in super lousy, didn't it? Yeah. If I'm, yeah. Well, and so that, that might not have helped much. Um, but you would think that if consumer confidence came in kind of lousy and the Fed's trying to slow down the economy, that we would like that, because isn't that what they're trying to do right now? Uh, they're trying to, 
fight inflation yeah. dramatically with still an expansionary interest rate number. They're trying to j- jawbone it down about m- the biggest jawbone effort I think I've ever seen. Uh, last month, they, the money supply growth essentially stopped. We finally got the number yesterday. This month, I think, because the market started heading south, uh, that the balance sheet's gone up like every week in the last four. So my guess is they're, they're back putting money into the system because they don't want to get it. They're trying to not let interest rates go up too much because the Fed has, doesn't have the money to pay it. They're trying to not let the market go down too much before the election, and they're trying to fight inflation, which is totally out of control. And every day they keep pointing to something where they got it back. The consensus on TV now is that it is it is clearly under control. Soybeans have come down, corn have come down, and gases appear to appears to have peaked. So it's they've got it they've got it all figured out. And this last this last interest rate hike to one and a half percent is doing is doing the job. That's that's the consensus as of yesterday, Russell. And if, if you believe that, I got a bridge for you. I was going to say that that is a consensus among a very small number of people. Yeah. <laughs> so, who's in the long run, whose opinion doesn't matter? Well, I, I asked I asked um, Kevin earlier, and I don't I don't know the answer to this. We'd have to have a a big meeting over strong coffee and maybe some adult beverages or something. That if you if you were put in charge, Russell, and you've, you've seen this get out of hand, and you've got you've seen you know prices. At the absurd number that we never even thought there'd be, like uh, you know, the median the median car price is, is higher than, a, than an annual salary, uh, those kinds of things. And houses are now you know ten times a annual a mean salary versus three or four like they used to be. Uh, there's there's massive problems in that area. Now, mm-hmm. if, but if you were put in charge, would you say, look, I'm just gonna I'm gonna assume a two percent growth, even though mm, it might not be there. I'm just going to grow the money supply by exactly 2% for the next decade. Hope we grow at 2%. We'll, we'll stop prices rising, and we hope along the line real wages somehow go up to meet the current price level to where people 10 years from now are in better shape than they are now. Or would you wage a, a Volcker kind of fight where you try and cut the, the money supply and actually bring the prices back down, thinking that the wages aren't going to go up fast enough? I don't know which of those two. I might. I might actually pick A and not B. To be honest with you, but I don't. I don't know. Well, you, I'd have you talk me into it because you're the professor. Which would you do? <laughs> I if if I were, you know, gosh, if I were in charge and I didn't care about um, keeping the job, <laughs> you know, there's there's being worried about keeping the job and there's being worried about doing the right thing, and um, you know, I would I would. I like to believe I would lean toward uh, doing the right thing, and and I, I would I would ramp I I would just go ahead and yank the book yank the band aid off really really hard and get us back to a normal interest rate level as quickly as possible. And maybe that's what they're doing. They're just doing it because you know they're they are raising them dramatically, and everybody's expecting us to be around three and a half percent by the end of the year. So maybe they're as I, the word violently popped in my mind, but as aggressively as they they possibly can without wrecking everything, um, maybe that's exactly what they're doing. And I just feel that, and, and it's a lot easier from the sidelines, they do more. Well, it's, it is, yeah. I mean, it really is with the amount of the talking that's being done. And you almost have to shake your head or, or give yourself the aqua velva moment, the, this cold slap in the face. 
On one hand, all the stuff you're hearing and the projections and where we're going and people are doing this and that, and you say, okay, the Fed looks to me like, man, they're, they're really on this. Then you sit there and go, look in the mirror and go, chief, you dummy. The inflation is 10% and the, and the interest rate is one and a half. What are they doing? <laughs> I mean, we're not, we're, we're not even, and, and, and maybe six months from now it'll be three. I mean, at any kind of scale, it, it's it's all BS. They're not doing anything. I mean, and, and even if they, yeah, the, the what was the inflation target forever around, you know, 2, 2 to 3% or yeah, so? Yeah, 2%. Depending on, on, on where we're at. Um, the scenario you just gave us basically means that the real rate of interest would be zippo. Well, I mean, Hal, yeah. Hal, I don't know if you listened to him the other day, for two weeks now, and, and you know, he speaks in... in, in uh, Professor Professor Ease to a certain extent, and but he, I, I wish he actually has a paper out. I got to get it. We you know tweet it out to people, where he, he talks about asset pricing and 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 what happens when when you essentially have negative interest rates and the people's push to constantly get involved in the negative. If, you, if you're one of the group of people, because we all can't, but clearly if you if you take a balance on your credit card, you're not at negative interest, right? You're paying twenty or some crap. Uh, he says, if you're one of the people that can be in the two three percent range when the inflation is higher, and you you should buy every like big asset you can because the next person, as long as they can they can deficit interest pricing, that's the only way you make money is avail yourself of essentially negative rates. If you can get the negative rates, that's why you buy a ball team for five billion dollars, even though. If the rates were even, you could never even make the interest payments on the income. Because you, in two years from now, if you think it's still going to be negative, the next bozo is going to pay six. Because he can he can then borrow it. And, because it absolutely screws up the pricing of everything to the point where, you know, the people who are, who are, in, who are getting the advantage have figured it out. The rest of us haven't. Now, is he right? I think he might be. Oh, I think he's most definitely right to an extent that... Um, He's talking about the greater fool theory that I I get beat up on every time I bring it up just because it it sounds like you're diminishing the people that buy from you, but uh, you can make money through the greater fool theory if you're just uh, able to you know anticipate uh, that you're not the you know kind of like when you're uh, playing poker and if you can't figure out who the sucker is you're the sucker. Well, I mean, he's not, but that's you not know? really the but, first couple so times who's, who you know. Who are you going to sell certain things to uh, if there's not a justifiable reason for it to increase in value? Well, what do you like, mean? like you know, and I, I don't want to take the turn, but this is that that's kind of the attitude that I've had about crypto forever, and and they're not not enough new fools anymore, and we're seeing what's happening within in that market. Well, you know, it's um, Russell. The first couple times Hal explained it to me, I'll be honest with you, I didn't really understand where he was going, and I. I too went to the exact conclusion you just had. It's somewhat of a greater fool theory type of thing, right? And you mm-hmm. and I are agreeing on that. That's, that's not where he's going, though. What he's saying is a longer period, a long period of of negative interest rates for some people. They're actually financing your purchases where you can't afford not to do it because the uh, because if you don't, the, the the prices will run away from you if if you can get in on on the, on the scam, which not all of us can. That's my biggest bitch totally with the Fed on this whole thing for the last 15 years. I don't care if they went to really low rates and if they thought that was a good idea, but you, you can't have two-thirds of the population not benefiting by the rates. They they never, 
said to the bank, we're giving you, by the way, uh, 1% interest, but you better not charge more than 10% of the credit card or we're shutting you down. They never said that, which which is my big complaint the whole way through. They never made sure that the, that the uh, Russell and, and Chief Plumbing Company wasn't paying 8.5% with a personal guarantee and signing over our house for our fifth plumbing truck and we never missed a payment in 25 years. They never did that. They, they essentially just sent it to some people. And what Hal's saying is for those people, the rate of interest is so negative that it is it is so valuable for them to just buy anything they can because as long as that keeps going, it's not even the greater fool. You've just benefited by eight more years of minus 5% interest on something you just bought. It's, uh, it's, it's helping the fools. Yeah. He, I, mean, I really wanted to come up with something more clever than that. Yeah, but, but, but he's he's uh, actually going further uh, than we are. You know, it's it benefiting your buddies, as you always uh, bring up, if the market moves a little bit before one of the economic numbers. Well, yeah. But, you know, yeah. but his, his analysis, the more I think about it, is so much deeper. Every time he says it every week, I just, I'm sitting there going, I, I, didn't, I didn't get this the first time through. Third time through, I'm sort of starting to get it. And it's way more than just... A greater fool theory. It's it's dealing mm-hmm. with that particular class of people that are actually benefiting by a negative interest rate, and what their behavior is different from other people who can't. And it's and it, it's I, I I almost find it fascinating. If he gets if he sends his study over, I have to send it to you because maybe you can figure it out. Better. Yeah, you got to. I got to put it on the stack, the the to read list in the backyard. Because uh, I mean, we've never really. I mean, you and I would never. I mean, if the first time I I've, I. I this guy buys the team for what he bought the Denver Broncos five billion dollars or something. You know, I'm I'm more of a luddite than you, Russ. My first thought is, was having an mm-hmm. adult beverage with a few people. Okay, wait a minute, wait a minute. In a normal world, even those guys would be paying seven percent for a loan like that, right? So that's three hundred and fifty million dollars a year to carry the loan that you could be making somewhere else or whatever, and. uh and there's no way a football team comes close to making that kind of money where you can even cover half of your, not not to mention salaries and all the other stuff and uh, and, and uh, stadium costs and everything else. It's not even on the same planet. What Hal's saying is, for those people, it's a totally different transaction. It's a totally different calculation. And I, I never thought of it that way. And that's why I'm trying to run it by you. He says, for them, it's, it doesn't even, doesn't even matter. It's it's the negativity of the asset, or the interest rate versus the asset, where they probably will sell it for $7 billion 10 years from now, if this keeps up. So they're more, they're more interested in the real return, or they're just looking for things to do with their money? Yeah. Uh, because they're, there's, cause they have it, they got it, it's really, it's super cheap. And so they can go around and buy stuff and make other things more expensive with their super cheap money. Yeah, essentially. because the money's not super cheap to the rest of us. Correct. Exactly. Exactly right. An interesting concept, isn't it? It is. It totally is. I want. I want to get some super cheap money. Yeah, how do How do we do that? Um, I don't know. You could. You could do like one of my students who started up an LLC and uh, put in for TARP money, even though he's never run a company. Well, I'll tell you what, there's there are a lot of people... <laughs> so, we hired that kid, he could figure it out. <laughs> the, uh, if you go through the list of people on the PPP, there's, I know. A, there's a lot of people in there, and they say, how many how many employees you got now? And the answer is none. And you're sitting there, wait, 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 wait a minute. <laughs> We're just supposed, you know, some churches in there that have no employees, they got a bunch of dough. 
Yeah, we, we just keep missing out on these opportunities that are right in front of us. I know, I know. We should, you know, we, the first thing we should have done on, on COVID, Russell, go looking back on it as I as I read that law and go through that list of people, we should have gone and bought a restaurant that had a decent carryout and had a decent sized restaurant and maybe a five stool bar. Closed the bar because we were told to close it. Doubled our stuff with carryout in the other areas. Had a big thing out in the parking lot. And at the end of the year, get all the money back to us that we paid people because we had a partial shutdown. There was, those people did, or if we could have, if we could have bought a, uh, a refuse company, a whatever garbage truck company that had a contract with the municipality that uh, we were never shut down, uh, but that's okay. We got our money anyway. We, in retrospect, if this ever happens again, you and I know what to go buy. Oh yeah, but unfortunately, it'll be slightly different next time, and we won't know what to do. Well, well that's why we need a lobbyist. Yeah, who, who could be our? You know, would be a good lobbyist is Matty Weber. Gets along with him. He would be. Yeah, he loves okay. sports. You know, he likes to go out and have a cocktail. Never gets drunk. You know, can be BS with anybody. He'd be a, he'd be a perfect lobbyist. He would be an absolute. It's uh, you know the, the consulting firm that I work with. I, I have a couple of Matty Webers. Do you remember the guy at the Cebo used to have Tommy Boggs? Oh yeah, yeah. You ever see him? Yeah. Ever see a more accomplished dude in your life at work in a room than no. that guy? No, and uh, yeah, that's, that's an ability that I will absolutely never ever have. It, it, it takes a lot of practice. You ever go to a, a, a big function when he was there? Yes. He uh, for the, the, the person he was a nice guy. I, I liked him. Floating or floating? Yeah, but he would. Yeah. He was Hale Bags' kid, right? And you, you know, you know, his sister is. I do not know who his sister is. Koki Roberts. Oh, I did not know that. Yeah. Wow. That's a shocker. She's she's Hale Boggs' Bog's daughter. You would never know, eh? Yeah. <laughs> anyway, but he would come if there was a reception. What, what do you figure a normal reception like the SIBO would have? There'd be 70, 80 uh-huh. people there. And, and if, you ever, if you ever go to one of these things, I mean, I'm, I mean, how many of you have you and I gone to, uh, Russell, hundreds of them over the years? I haven't been in one yeah. in a long time. I'm not saying I miss them. People always sort of congregate. In groups of what, four to seven, maybe eight. Yeah, yeah. it's always a group standing. Especially if you have those those upright tables where they're like the little tables just to put your drink on, but there's no chair there. Put like about fifteen of those things in the room, and you'll find there's a group of six with their drink on, like all of them. It's just like a, it's almost like watching puppies sleeping or something. <laughs> How many sleep in a stack? And Tom, Tom would have a drink. I don't know if he ever took a drink out of it. Mm-hmm. He'd always be tinkling the the. the uh, uh, ice cubes, so you knew he had it. Had the fancy yeah. ring. And he'd come around, and if it was all guys, he made sure that he talked to every single person in that room, at least for five minutes. And there'd be you know six groups, so six. He'd be there for thirty-five minutes, and he probably had three of those functions to go a night. He'd come over if there was a lady there; it would be some really nice kind of little story or something. If there were a group of guys, it would be some slightly off-color joke, and he'd be out of there in forty-five minutes. He was a master at it. But Matty Weber could do that, I think. He come in with some sports. Oh, story. I could. Yeah, I and I, I, you know, the the firm where we talk about Indiana all the time. We don't talk about the key derivatives very much, but um, no, there. When when I've been traveling and at the EQD conferences the past couple of weeks, um, I'm home in bed between nine and ten, and um, then I get up and get to breakfast, and when the when when. The Maddie Weber guys show up. I, I hear about everything that happened the night before, but I was definitely not participating. 
Well, I mean, you know, it, it, and, I, and I've got and I got some stories. Well, I'll tell you, but, I still uh, remember. But, I mean, you've got to have ten yeah, more, ten times second hand. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm the got to be able to do math in the morning guy now. Well, that's the. But I, I remember I, I've only gone to a few of these things. You've got to ten times the number. But I still have the ones when I was a we, we stopped doing as much in Washington after my freshman year on the board. For some reason, it got to the point by the time uh, uh, this is ninety eight, things got so stuffy that if you had SEC uh, board over, they would like they'd all pony up fifty bucks and then leave after the cocktail. They wouldn't even stay for dinner. Like really, I mean, of all it, nobody bitches more about money and government than me, Russell, but. The idea mm-hmm. that you're going to be able to coerce an SEC board member for for price of a rubber chicken dinner—I mean, really? I mean, I, I mean, you know, let's. I mean, I, I hope not. Let's put it that way. Mm-hmm. But it got to the point where they would pull like fifty dollars cash out and leave it in a pile and walk out, so they didn't even like buy their drinks. But I remember every one of those things, talking to those people and thinking, "How did this person get the job?" Half of them. I mean, I, I remember the senators and some of those guys are characters. Uh, oh yeah. They, a room full of guys like that's pretty funny because they're all used to being the center of attention. Well, and our buddy, our buddy, our buddy, our buddy Doctor J had this shocking yellow tie on one morning, <laughs> and, and Phil Graham wanders in for a breakfast. Think you could give him? You could. Out of all the stuff I say, I complain about this. Back in those days, Russell, I don't know if you you can only you can only give these guys a corporation like the CBOE. You know, was it five hundred bucks or a thousand bucks or something to show up for breakfast, something like that, or, or it was a few hundred dollars. I yeah, I don't want to say the number that I think because the source on the number is not very good. I think it was five hundred. I know that it wasn't fifteen hundred. Right? They yeah. get a they they come visit and they get some money for their pack. That's what I remember. Yeah, but, but it was not very. Uh, it was nothing like you know a million bucks. It was, and, and, and it really actually for those guys to come in and sit down with a table full of fifteen market makers or board members. And learn about the industry. I think that for a, a senator who comes to Chicago and goes to the oil guys, if he did that five times a day, he's learning more about the people he's representing. I think it was it was more than a deal at five hundred bucks. I don't really have any problem yeah, with it. Yeah. I mean, I really don't. But Phil Graham sees Jen's yellow tie. Hey, son, where'd you get that tie? If I wasn't already up, God, that would wake me up. <laughs> anyway, they were they were they were funny. So, I mean, uh, some of them were. Um, I can only imagine. Uh, John, oh well, um, John being upstage at all. Oh God! Well, Phil Graham, but, I, and that sounds like you know it, it's usually the other way around. So. Oh God! Oh well. But the uh, the fun one of the best stories was I Karen was on last week, and our girl Karen lost to uh, Jesse Jackson's son. I've heard that earlier, uh, but she was you know pretty fearless. Well, Tom, was it Tom Foley? He succeeded, uh, uh, who was the guy who was in the house forever? The big Irish guy from, uh, Massachusetts. Uh, what the hell's his name? I got his book in it. Oh, uh, O'Neill. Tip O'Neill, Tip O'Neill. Yeah. And, uh, so Tom Foley goes, you know, Tip, Tip was, Tip was absolutely fearless. He goes, there's this real Republican group. I mean, real right wingers. Probably not as bad as people are right, right or left now. And he goes, uh, Tip says, I'm gonna go talk to these guys. And he goes, <laughs> Tom goes, do you want me to come with? <laughs> should, should we send a bodyguard? Nah, I got it covered. He goes, Tip, he, we, he'd go anywhere. He, he walks in and all these guys, you can see like they got the knives out for him and he goes, uh, alright, let me get this straight. All you guys are, uh, you're, you're, uh, captains of the industry. Yeah. You've, you know, you've, uh, 
done this all on your own. Yeah. Uh, anybody, uh, you know, you, you walk basically up, uphill and against the wind both way to school. Yeah. <laughs> so let me ask you this. You never, you never got anything from government. No. By the way, how many people here went to school on the GI Bill? You know, like two thirds of the hands go up. He must have researched that beforehand. Yeah. And, and, he, and he goes, how many of your parents have had a surgery or a hospital visit that got paid for by Medicare that you didn't come up with the money for? And everybody looks at him and like the other two thirds of the hand. He goes, all right, let's start from the beginning again. Nobody here has ever had anything from government. <laughs> and, and he had a, you know, but typically he was fairly, yeah. he didn't, he, you know, he was a drunken, drunken Irishman that didn't didn't give a rat's behind. He didn't care, you know. He figured I can handle this wherever I go. To somebody wants to take a punch at me, give it your best shot. I mean, it, you know, he just was that kind of dude. He was he was a lot like Rasty in that regard. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if we have too many of those people around. Got to go to break here. Russell, come back. Let's talk more about what you guys are seeing and what what the classes are axing you. SP futures. Uh, we're up 550, NASDAQ futures up 6. We're not up as much as we were on the rally we just had, so we're kind of waffling here. We'll be right back, Stocks and Jacks. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to factor in the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other life decision. Your brain is smarter than your gut, and that's why you owe it to yourself to read Luckbox. We've made it easy because Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with timely, actionable trading ideas and equips you with savvy investing tactics you don't already know all while exploring how to live your best life through music spirits food sports travel fitness and a whole lot more luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on controlling their financial futures it's for overachievers and alpha types who don't buy into wall street's investment gurus it's for mavericks who believe in life luxury and the pursuit of happiness it's for you smart investors don't bet on possibilities they play the probabilities luckbox is 7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Hello, this is Tom Howard, the Chief. We've talked a lot on the show about risk and suitability, about how your portfolio should match your age, income, and risk appetite. It's been hard for investors to maintain that suitability in the last several years due to a Fed strategy that has driven interest rates to virtually zero. You may have even heard that the Fed was trying to drive conservative investors to a riskier portfolio on purpose, for whatever reason. I'm sure you're aware of investors that took some increased risk, such as longer-term fixed-income securities, and are now unhappy with their choice. At PTI, we've always stressed total portfolio risk awareness and tried to minimize chasing returns in a tough environment. Well, now it looks like maybe interest rates are moving more towards historical levels. Everyone needs to be aware of what that continued movement might do to your portfolio, both good and bad. We also have a stock market that seems to have stalled, at least for the short term. I think it's time for everyone to take a serious look at their goals, their risks, and their portfolios. Do they match? If not, we can help. We have a signature protected index program. We have ways to hedge against interest risk. We can make that portfolio right for you again. Go to PTISecurities.com or call us right now. The market can change very rapidly. That's PTISecurities.com. Support the Stocks and Jocks team. Hats, t-shirts, sweatshirts, jackets, and Chief's favorite, the Stocks and Jocks ladies thong, all available at our online store. Just go to StocksandJocks.com and click the link to order any amount of great Stocks and Jocks merchandise for yourself and any other Stocks and Jocks listener in your life. The prices are affordable and the selection is out of the park. The Stocks and Jocks online store at StocksandJocks.com.
Jesus, what a cluster. Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Hello and welcome back to Stocks and Jocks. I'm Tom Howell, Matt Byrne on the board. S&P futures are, are, they are, we gotta re- refresh the page here because we're moving all over the place. Now we're down a buck and a half. Up, down, up, down. This is before the opening, for God's sake. NASDAQ futures down 20. Speaking of which, yesterday in the opening we were talking about Nike earnings and the stock was actually up. It ended up getting hammered yesterday. Uh, so they, uh, Nike was down, uh, straight in, uh, where the hell is it? It's, it's down to, uh, 102 and it was 114 during the show yesterday or something. That's, that's a long way down. 10% from the top. Uh, not good. Dow futures are up 94 over in Europe. These guys were down pretty good earlier. They've come back a little bit. Uh, DAX only down 151, 1.1, where they were down more. FTSE was down another up 8 points, 0.1%. Uh, and, uh, Kakron is up, down 61, 1%. They were down more. So, a mixed bag over there, but mostly down. Renasia down, down. Uh, Nikkei down 244, 0.9%. Shanghai giving up virtually all they did yesterday. Down 47, it's 1.4. Hang Seng doing the U-turn as well. Down for 422, 1.9%. They might have been up a little more than that yesterday, but still they're flopping, flopping. Uh, yesterday as a way of review, during the show we were up. Looked like we were going to have a good day. Not so as the day wore on. Everybody's blaming this consumer confidence number. I don't know if that's a real reason, but it certainly was timed with it. Dow's down 491, S&P's down 79, NASDAQ down 343. So a big, big turn. Uh, bonds down five basis, basis points at 315. Uh, 10-year down over in the Bund 10-year. Down eight basis points, 1.56. Japan unchanged at 0.24. Uh, oil up buck 68, 113.44. Brent up 161, 119.59. Natural gas up 14 cents, but still 671. The spike down from 930 is, uh, well, the spike up to 930 and the spike down are both I gotta, I gotta believe, uh, almost historical in, in size, other than maybe the Gulf War. Arbab, uh, down two cents to 391. Got gold, a little bit of a rally, 740, uh, to 180,028, or 1828. Uh, silver, up 12 cents to 2099. Copper, up two cents, 379. And we've got Bitcoin, uh, barely, barely hanging over 20,000 to 20,027. Uh, we'll talk to, we talked to Russell a little bit about that one. What do you have for us, traffic weather sports, man? Good morning. It's currently 7.35 a.m. on Wednesday, June 29th, 2022. Uh, in MLB yesterday, Cubs at Wrigley. Uh, they lose 3-5 to five against Cincinnati Reds. White Sox, though, win big against uh, L.A. Angels, 11-2-4. Notable plays from Josh Harrison and Lewis Robert, who hit two home runs. Diamondbacks took on San Diego Padres and win. Phoenix 7, San Diego 6. Now for weather in Chicago, mostly cloudy, uh, a little sunny towards the lake though, uh, currently 72 degrees, a high of 81 and a low of 70. Weather in Phoenix, clear skies, 90 degrees, a high of 108 degrees, a low of 86. Now for traffic in Chicago, as you can currently hear behind me, uh, traffic eastbound on Eisenhower between 25th Avenue and Western Avenue. Traffic westbound on the Eisenhower between Laramie Avenue and Harrison Street. Uh, traffic eastbound on the Kennedy between Cumberland Avenue and Lawrence Avenue. And again, picks up at Addison Street to West Fulton Avenue. Traffic westbound on the Kennedy between Lawrence Avenue and North Nagel Avenue. Heavy traffic westbound on the Dan Ryan between uh, West Garfield Boulevard all the way to downtown. And finally, traffic northbound in Stevenson between Route 171 and South Pulaski Road. That's all we got, Chief. Go back to you. Russell, we have... Uh 
one of the we had a, <laughs> a grumpy old dude was on CNBC yesterday. Reminds me of you or me. Uh, they were talking about cryptocurrencies and all the rest of the stuff and what's going on. And uh, the guy repeated, which I hadn't heard in a while, which I'm sure he's always on the tip of your tongue, that a, a currency has to have three important functions. It needs to be a store of value, be a unit of account, be a medium of exchange. And he said all these cryptocurrencies, not one of them has any one of the three. He goes, I wouldn't be a bit surprised if it was down to eight before it disappears. Uh, are you? Are you uh, now it appears that people, f- that donors that favor cryptocurrency, whatever that means, poured a lot of money into Jesse Jackson's kid campaign who ended up beating our favorite, uh, Karen Reeves, uh, yesterday in the election. I don't know what the numbers were, but, uh, what, what do you, what do you see there? I mean, what, what do you, what are your, your, uh, students, which you have of all different ages, which must be very enlightening to you, what do they think? Oh, about? yeah. I mean, what do they the think graduate, about this? The graduate students don't get it at all. The, um, the undergrads think they get it, but, you know, I, I had one come up and, and tell me, um, ask me what I thought of XYZ coin back in the spring semester, which it, I'm making up the XYZ. I don't even remember what the name of it is. It was. And he said, my older brother told me this is going to be the next big one. I should load up into it. And, um, and I said, well, why? And he said, well, because my brother says it's going to be the next big one. Uh, I was, I mean, I, I asked. And I, I didn't, you know, turn into a dick and go, well, why? You know, I didn't keep asking why. I said, well, um, don't you think there has to be a reason that, <laughs> you know, is, is it, and it can be as silly as Elon Musk is going to start talking about it in a week. But, you know, the, the why. And that conversation really got me thinking as to beyond thinking somebody's going to buy these things at you from, from you at a higher price, which, Goes back to the first half hour, the greater fool theory thing. Uh, that's the main reason that you would buy crypto is because you think somebody's going to somebody's going to pay a higher price for it. Um, that's and that's not happening anymore. But beyond that, it, you know, the the going back to the textbook, what is a currency? And it, it they you could make an argument that some of them uh, are you know the give you an opportunity as a medium of exchange and a store of value. What was the third one? Those are the only two that I always think of. Um, I'd say, uh, where is it? I'll find it here. Now you, now you got me on a different page. Sorry, man. I and I should have known. I heard something very similar on a podcast driving back from IU yesterday. Um, where that, that the person that I uh, heard... A unit, so, of account yeah. a, a unit of account in a unit a unit of account in a medium of exchange. Unit of account, okay. And I, it's not. I, I don't think any of them are really a good unit of account. Um, we're not, we don't quote how much the S and P five hundred is up in Bitcoin. No. Uh, so that'd be kind of interesting, though. Um, I, I think I just created a new investment product. Well, did you see the uh, investing in the S and P five hundred using Bitcoin? Well, did you see the article I sent you yesterday? yesterday? Uh, this is this is I, I wrote actually Carl commented on this one like, like only Carl can. Here's a article by uh, Arjun Karpal K H A R P A L. Crypto exchange Coinflex, whoever they are, is raising forty seven million through a new coin after a major investor fails to pay his debt. I read this and I, I was like, this this can't be this can't be real. Oh, I I read that I, I read it before you sent it around and I immediately thought of you. 
<laughs> Which is coin flex. Not, not that you're buying. That you're not the forty-six million dollar guy first. Well, how do you? How do you? Uh, how do you that, issue? That's not what I meant by that. Before somebody took that the wrong way, and and all of a sudden there's an article about you being the one that can't make the forty-six million dollar payment. They, they 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 issued a new coin to help cover the deficit for somebody else's losses. Um, Bernie Madoff was really good at that too. Yeah, I, I got a question. I mean, that, is, that 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 is a that article is the definition of a Ponzi scheme. I'll just read the four brief points here. Yeah. CoinFlex said it would issue forty-seven million dollars of a digital coin. It is calling Recovery Value USD. <laughs> God. CoinFlex CEO Mark Lamb said in a blog post that a longtime customer's account went into negative equity. That prompted the company to halt withdrawals. By issuing the new, whatever this thing is, CoinFlex will be hoping to raise enough money to cover the shortfall in its books left by the investor and resume withdrawal for users. I, I guess that brings me to a, a real simple question. Right? Allegedly, nobody issues Bitcoin, right? It's mined. How do you, these other yeah. ones, these other ones are actually issued by somebody? Uh, they can be, yeah. They they can be created in different ways. So I I I'd say so, I'm, I'm yeah. creating forty seven million dollars in in a digital something something, and people people send me a check for that. Yeah. Wow. Pretty much. Why don't we? Do, why aren't we doing that? I know. We, I, I trust me. I've I've come up with all kinds of interesting coin ideas, but I just can't. I, I just can't, in good conscience, turn around and, you know, try to get people to buy them from me. And, and what you left off with respect to that new coin is they're offering a 20% yield for people that buy it. Sounds more like a bond than a coin. I know. Well, they're, they're, they're offering a 20%. Where does that come from? Uh, good question. I give you a Bitcoin um, for, or, uh, you know, I, through some sort of digital currency, I buy um, this new token, at, which is supposed to be offering, you know, 20% yield. But, you know, where are they, what, what are they doing to, you know, where are they getting the point two Bitcoin that they're going to owe me after a year? Well, that's... To put it in real simplicity. Why, why is this any different than... A securities firm, somebody, all of a sudden having a a big debt, offering a new issue of like preferred stock, and saying you're going to pay twenty percent interest on the preferred stock. Why don't, why don't why don't they just call it that instead of saying it's a coin? Who's going to use it as a coin? Well, if they call it preferred stock, then they're going to have to register with the SEC. So that that's one of the reasons that you use the different terminology for things that if you break them down, they look just like traditional financial assets with different kind of backing. Well, but a, a coin, yeah. no no coin that I ever had in my pocket paid a dividend or interest. I mean, uh, it sounds more like a bond or a, or, a, or a preferred stock, doesn't it? it, it to me, it sounded like a, um, personally, I thought it was almost like a uh, um, convertible bond. Yeah, well, yeah, okay, same thing. Yeah, yeah really, and I thought yeah. of it that, I mean, not that you can suddenly convert it, but supposedly they're paying you a really, you know, a nice interest on it. Uh, plus, if the value of this thing goes up, you can participate in that as well. But the but whereas the the 
Whereas with the preferred stock, it's, it's more of a function of what kind of fixed income it's giving you. Plus, you have to have confidence in the but company. But follow up on what you You, you don't think the price of a preferred stock is going to go up. That's why That's why I thought of it more of a, as a convertible bond. So it's paying you interest, but you also, uh, if this thing works out, which I don't think it's going to work out, uh, I say I don't even think you're going to get 20%. You know, well, I mean, there's only one of two ways this <laughs> could possibly work or network. Either the 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 exchange is going to issue forty seven million and like keep ten, and if it's somewhat of a success, however, even are they going to start dribbling out selling theirs to pay the the dividend? I could do that. Yeah. Or, but I mean, otherwise, the the coin itself. I mean, the the Bitcoin, from what I know, or Ethereum. There's there's no ownership to the coin. It's like a quarter in your pocket, right? The, the coin's not going to issue a check. That's why I don't understand who the hell wrote the check out for Jesse Jackson's kid, a, a bit, Bitcoin people. Who, who, Bitcoin, Bitcoin can't write a check. Somebody's writing it. I mean, this whole thing is very is very muddled. Is that for how's that for a term? Yeah, it, it is kind of muddled. As far uh, I mean, it's got to be converted back into dollars at some point as well. Well, is the twenty percent going to be paid in coin or in dollars? I don't know. I didn't look at it that closely. I just saw it, it said it was going to have a twenty percent yield, and I went, "Oh my god, don't go down the rabbit hole, Russell." Um, but I did think I, and then I, you know, I saw that you guys sent it around before I had a chance to send it to you for today. Um, but yeah, that that one's, I think that's one of those things that we're going to look back on, you know, as the end of the. Uh, I don't know, the end of the crypto bubble, much like the end of the Internet bubble. Well, didn't Kenny Polcari tell me that he, somebody hit him up for something where they were guys who were, he thinks they were lending money to buy Bitcoin, and it was, uh, I think they were, they were, they were going to pay 9%. Didn't he say that, the, that the, the VIG on the Bitcoin was like a tenth of a percent a day or something? Some huge number. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, what is the most... I've been uh, doing. Two, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to back into that, but yeah. What uh, between your your various functions, chasing tornadoes mm-hmm. and all the other stuff, what is the most uh, current thing in your students' mind? Is there a big difference between the students like I was undergrad, just kind of hanging in school with, with sort of the dorm paid for, and we get three hats and a cot, as uh, as uh, what's his name, the boxer used to say, or. Uh, is there a difference in the questions between the people who have families doing the stuff at night and wondering what the hell's going on? What is, what is the difference in their focus that you've been able to pick up on? Um, gosh, the undergrads, it's very difficult to pick up on, on all of that. Very difficult to pick up on. It, 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 it's almost like you've got... And maybe this is the way it was before, and I wasn't one of these kids. But it, it seems like you've got, if I've got a class of 60 students, and I'm talking about the undergrads, there's probably 5 to 10 that are really, really into what I'm teaching and want to be there and, you know, show up for office hours and everything else. And then there's, you know, the 80% that aren't. You know, there's a, it, there's a huge divergence between the two. Well, I mean, it's, and, I think, I'm going to say it's always and, been like that. I mean, or am I wrong? Oh, it probably has always been like that. But I, see, I was not the I, I was not the one that was really into being there. I was like trying to get my grade and get out of college. 
So, <laughs> so I, didn't, I didn't even realize those people existed until I became a teacher. Well, I when I but those were, you know was, those were one, and they and they ask a lot of uh, they're very interested in the market, and they ask a lot of real world questions. I was kind of a I mean, I, even have, I, I have one that trades QQQ options based on signals that I put out. Really? Yeah. Well, yeah. you know, which leads me to my next. I was kind of a, a both. I always wanted a class to be over so I go play basketball or something. And I, mm-hmm. and I wanted, you know, the, the weekend to come along. But when I was there, I was I was really focused because I, I, I really thought those guys had a lot to teach, and they did, both mm-hmm. at Notre Dame and the University of Chicago. And you're, you're not going to... I mean, when George Stigler's talking to you, even, even some moron is going to say, this is a really rare opportunity. The guy's a Nobel Prize winner, for God's sake. I mean, yeah. I mean, I mean, I mean you're not going to, no matter who you are, you could, you could, you could stop for 75 minutes and listen to him. Plus, the stuff mm-hmm. was fascinating to talk about. But anyway, I'd, I'd slump along with my buddies. Uh, and <laughs> there, were, there were 10 of us, and I'd say it was about 80%. And how do I get out of here with a B with the least I can do? <laughs> It was about the ratio, and it was that was forty five years ago, Russell. So I don't know if it's changed mm-hmm. much. And half the guys were stoned. <laughs> um, hey, so what do you when you, when you ask, people ask you about <laughs> about valuation? Uh, what what do you say when uh, I give a, a Nike thing yesterday? We had a couple of clients mm-hmm. that did. We all did some uh, earnings spreads, and uh, I was going to do it at the at the strike. And my brother said, you know, all these companies, no matter how, even if they're good, they're all going down. So. Thing was trading like one eleven, and we did the one hundred six. Uh, and I, I would have well. When I this, this is there's no magic to this, Russell. But I like doing the little time spreads week to week. And my yeah. my formula sort of is, and I can't figure out why these vary, but they really do. If you look at the straddle, calling to put for the the week, you know, the, the day of the day after, which is really the market's estimate of how far the stock's going to move, right? Well, then I look at uh-huh. the time spread, and if it's less than a tenth of the straddle, I'm interested. But a Nike, the straddle was like nine bucks, and I got the spread for forty cents, which I've been able to do in months. And I've, I've stopped doing these things because basically I'm gonna get my ass kicked because the straddle has been nine bucks, and the things are moving twenty five. I mean, it, the last six months, mm-hmm. the, the things are moving on earnings two and three times straddle, which I've never seen in all the years I've been in a business. So I just said, you know what, I'm not gonna lay off on this for a while, but. On the Nike yesterday, I said, you know what, this is too good. i got to do something. I was going to do the 111. One of my clients said, no, 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 I'm doing the 115. I'm bullish Nike. And my brother says, why don't we do the 106? All these things are going down. Sure enough, they come out with the really good earnings. night before, it's trading 114. Yesterday morning, it started going down, down, down. Well, fortunately, we we more than doubled our price. We sold it for 85 cents right when it kind of went through 106. Then mm-hmm. closes it like 102. So the stock's down from a high yesterday of, I'm saying, 114 after the earnings. Closes, i got a trade right now at uh, 102.83. Now, I kick up here. Two days ago, their P-E ratio was 30, and now it's like 27-ish. Might be a little lower than that. And, you, you know, you're going to hear people, you know, pounding the table saying, okay, it's down, you know, whatever, it's down here, it's on sale. you got to buy it. And I, I'm asking you, I honestly don't know the answer to this. Twenty-seven to me is pretty freaking high still for a for a retailer. You know, like them and Lululemon. I mean, their shoes. I mean, you know, I, when I started the business, retailers were like seven PE uh, when interest rate. I honestly don't know how to value this stuff, right? and I don't think anybody else does either. 
you know, people are saying it's on sale, it's lower than it was, but I'm no slave to being to me the price last week was a good price. How do I know, I mean, how do I know this price is a good price? I mean, how do you, how would you, I mean, you're more into this than me. How do you, how do you, what would you say? Is it, would you say 27 now is a screaming buy when 30 wasn't? I don't, I don't even know. No, I would, I, I, I overly emphasize focusing in on cash flow. And what it, you know, what kind of cash flow do you expect over the next three to five years? And what's the present value of that? As opposed to, I, I, I stopped using earnings and price earnings ratio years ago, uh, because it's just so easy to manipulate those things. Whereas cash flow is a straightforward number that you can see going in and out. Uh, you know exactly, you know, you, you know what a company uh, you know how much money they took in, how much they paid out each quarter. In a nutshell, and that's really what it should come down to. And when you look at any of the disasters that all that have happened, um, you can see problems within the cash flow area versus earnings earlier. So that's what I always focus on. I haven't I haven't looked at Nike. I was in the middle of some other stuff yesterday, and I was and Nike was always my favorite ones to play earnings like. Probably because they kind of report out there by themselves, and there's nothing else going on. Yeah, it's Mike Rand tonight. Okay. And well, also last night was yeah. uh, Bed Bath and Beyond, and they, they kind of clunked. They're down to like they're trading five sixty. They're down ninety five cents. That's a big percentage move for them. But yeah, I mean, I, but that that's what you. And when the company comes out and they they report their earnings, you adjust. Well, here's what they, you know, here's what they did relative to what I was thinking. Um, but also, you take those forward statements and you try to figure out what's the cash flow going to look like over the next, uh, over the next, um, you know, three to five years. Once again, did they say anything that materially impact, materially impacted those numbers? Uh, the one thing that I heard in passing was they were going to try to sell fewer shoes on discount. Well, yeah, which which leads me to believe that that you know maybe they're. Um, you know, not going to sell as many shoes, but hope to do so at a higher price. Well, everybody, and, everybody's and kind of anxious. People didn't like something about that, you know. Well, Russell, I mean, I, you and I, I think, you know, we agree on some stuff. And one thing I, I know we agree on is that if it's twenty bucks more to put in the tank, it's just an example. It could be anywhere. It could be for the pork roast. Could be whatever. Someplace, somewhere, that twenty bucks is coming out of somewhere else. Whether it's coming out of yeah. the stuff you normally put in the savings, or and everybody's kind of holding their breath to figure out. I hope it's not coming out of me. That if I'm the bard on the black, that I, and I see Joe five nights a week, it's now only going to be three. But someplace, somewhere, you know, Nike's hoping it's not them. That the hundred and thirty dollar shoes are still yeah. going to go flying off the shelf. Other people are hoping it's not them. I don't know. It's going to be somebody. You know. Be, you know. The. Uh, you know, what's the one? Beware who he's coming for. He's coming for yours. No, beware for who the bell tolls. It tolls for you. Was that Hemingway? Uh, you know, I mean, it, it's. It, I mean, I think people have a sense of that, but we don't really know who it is or where. But just this, this anyway, this old grumpy guy was on CNBC all day yesterday. Why did I let him on? Because he sounded like me. Uh, he was. He started talking about how hard it is to value stuff, to value assets when interest rates are at extremes. And he was saying, "Oh yeah, you know." He, yeah, he mentioned, absolutely. "You know, if, he goes if interest rate seven and it goes to six, it sounded just like me. Interest rate seven, it goes to six. I think everybody in your class will say, "Wait a minute, okay, if it goes to six, this stock is probably worth a little more here or here because now the cash flows a little." 
if, if you discount it, the price is a little. Yeah. But I don't know. The, the guy said, "Hey, if interest rates go to zero, does that mean th- that does that thing ever mean everything's worth infinite?" He goes, "We're finding out now. The answer to that is no, because as we come back the other way, the prices are going down, and they should because they shouldn't have been there in the first place, and wouldn't have been if yeah. the rates weren't this low." I mean, it, oh, absolutely. I mean, beyond that, what you get is you get. Um, get damage to the fundamental numbers that you're using to calculate cash flow and you're seeing an increase in the discount rate at the exact same time. So that double whammy is you know, is why we get a twenty percent sell off in stocks when everybody expects the world to slow down. And it and right we, there. And, 20- and it has nothing to do it has nothing to do with the P E ratio based on, you know, the last four quarters or or you know, the P E ratio of some of the forward earnings numbers. It's again it really should just be about how much money is this company generating and what's the present value of that, which leads me to why I don't like crypto anymore. What is the present value of whatever, you know, as an investment, what's the present value of what Bitcoin is going to generate for you? It's, it's zero. Yeah. Well, you know. Uh, that, I mean, that that's really... That little that statement right there is why I got out of this stuff about two three months ago. You uh you called it, I won't say the top, but you pretty much called. Oh it god, right no, up. I did not call the top. No, but I, you I said got out of the, I got out in the thirties, uh, and the top was sixty nine thousand. So well, don't don't ever say I got out of the top. <laughs> well, you know, Russell, I was yeah. I was young young and dumb at the time, and uh, I find out as much as I've learned since then. I probably still as dumb, but when I first started the business, it was the absolute act. I don't, maybe I'm just lucky to be to to be observing and feeling both ends, because the other end of the interest rates when they were 12 and 15 made things just as hard to value in a different way than they are here. I mean, you look at a company that you know it's, 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 it's paying a 10 or 12 percent dividend with like a seven PE, and you go, God, I know these guys are worth more than this. These interest rates, but I mean, literally, if I were if I were to tell you as a smart guy back then. Give me a million ducks, bucks, Russell, and in and in five years or four years, I'll, five years I'll give you two million bucks. It's the world's greatest deal. You look at me and go, "Hey, buddy, if I put it in the bank, I'm going to have a million six fifty without any risk at all. Why should I? Why should I sit around for five years waiting for you to perform?" Yeah, I mean, it was a totally different mindset than now. You just got to buy something because it's going up because you know because the money's free and when it's just going. It, it you can't. I don't even think you could even. If you could play back, you know, some of the conversations from that time, people would wonder, are these guys from Mars, or what are they talking about? Mm-hmm. I mean, and... and, and, and uh, I mean, it's an, it's an easy comparison because of the amount of uh, press and attention and and, bring it, and fear of missing out and bringing people into a market that had never really paid attention to markets before, but there are so many... Similarities between the crypto thing and the internet bubble—it's ridiculous. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. Russell, you know, we got why, a dash why are you going to why are you going to buy you know an internet stock? Well, most people are going to visit their website and the stock price will go up. Well, there's nothing in there that's generating cash. It's just people clicking on your site. Well, we got a dash, but uh, are you uh, in town yeah. the weekend or what are you? Are you, are you traveling? What are you? Doing? I'm in town for I'm in town for a couple of weeks. I got home late last night. Maybe we so. might see you. Well, you might see me. I got it. That, that would involve getting up. Oh, God. Well, we could. We more, could than seven, more than seven minutes before the broadcast. Well, we could we could meet in the middle and actually have dinner or something. Meet the bride. I'd love to meet her. Ooh. Oh, you know, really? Yeah. 
You'd, you'd actually like to meet my significant other? She's been on the air, hasn't she? She. Oh, yeah, she got on there and talked about healthcare stuff. Yeah. Now, two, two of the three uh, Rhodes women have uh, graced your presence. Yeah, I mean, I... And, I, 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 on, and one sat there absolutely terrified that we were going to ask her a question with the microphone in front of her one morning. <laughs> That's right. Anyway, take care of yourself, bud. Happy <laughs> for SP Futures up 25 cents, and SP Futures down 14. Slow mixed bag here so far. Back tomorrow, Stocks and Jacks. Stocks and Jocks is brought to you by PTI Securities and Futures. Go to PTISecurities.com. PTI Pro Direct. Trade for as low as a penny per share and a dollar per option contract. Learn more at PTIProDirect.com. Nadex. Offering an intuitive way to trade the financial markets. Visit Nadex.com. Home Source Realty. Call Audrey Johnson at 708-349-3456. Hamzi Analytics. Listen to Fari Hamzi every other Thursday and visit HamziAnalytics.com. Cairo Med. Back or neck pain? Schedule a complimentary consultation by calling 708-403-2727. DAX Research. Tune in for David Andelman's technical analysis on Mondays and Thursdays and call 1-800-821-4968. Ask them how they'd like to see 30-40% returns. What are they going to say? No? F*** you. I don't want to see those returns. 